was only on October the 24th that our ambassador to the United Nations, Adley Stevenson, uh, was assaulted in Dallas, uh, leaving a dinner meeting there. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States. This is Reverse Deception Radio on the Veritas Radio Network, Crusade Channel. That's the way Walter Cronkite presented it, November 22, 1963. The original bolo, Be On The Lookout, included this description, a white male, slender build, about 30 years old, 5 foot 10. Lee Harvey Oswald was a white male, slender build, 26 years old, and 5 foot 10. The description was out on the street within 20 minutes of the president being assassinated, enough time for Officer Tippett to stop Lee Harvey Oswald and question him, and he was shot, presumably by Lee Harvey Oswald. Twelve people identified that it was a slender, white, male, five foot ten, who killed the officer. Six of those people actually identified Oswald in a lineup. Do you think it was because he was a slender, white, male, five foot ten, roughly 30 years old? That's pretty quick to get a description from pretty much no one who saw him. The only person that saw him was the guy who worked in the bookstore depository. Now, I'm not saying that Oswald wasn't involved. Uh, he very well may have been. I mean, lots of killers that I know of who spent time in the Marine Corps learned how to shoot a rifle, right? I think the Marines are pretty good at what they do. Well, Marines that are pretty good at what they do know how to fire a, uh, fire a rifle from a building. Eyewitnesses say they saw a rifle sticking out of the window. And every, every soldier, every Marine, even the Air Force guys know that when you're fighting in buildings, you never extend the end of the rifle out the window. Never. Muzzle flash lets people see where you are. On the contrary, did Oswald do it because he wanted people to see him? Was he drawing people's attention to where he was? Remember, it was only 45 minutes before he ran into the officer, allegedly, and then it was an hour total of an hour because he left the officer at 45 minutes afterwards within the next 15 minutes made it back home changed his coat to a lighter color coat and then went out on the street that's what every murderer and every case i've ever investigated has done just go right back out right back you know where everybody can see you shoot sounds like a great idea and then because there was a scuffle he dodged into the movie theater? Or was he going to the movie theater? Because that's where he was going to meet his contact. Maybe his contact was going to come and whisk him away. He was to go do a job, and he was going to get asylum. I haven't noticed anywhere in the hundreds and hundreds of pages that I've read and hours of audio that I've listened to in the last few years 
where anyone has ever suggested that Oswald was actually not a patsy, but complicit. Just perhaps Oswald was going to get something out of this. Just perhaps. And how do we know he might have been working with somebody else? Well, there are a couple of documents that we can look to. The first is a letter signed by Antonio Vesenata. Now, he had been the leader of Alpha 66, a Cuban exile organization devoted to overthrowing the Prime Minister Fidel Castro. And he says, my CIA contact, his CIA contact, by the way, was David Atlee Phillips. Phillips was the man I saw with Lee Harvey Oswald in Dallas in September 1963. But what good is the deathbed confession without the CIA actually admitting it themselves? Isn't that, wouldn't that just be great if the CIA came out and said, oh, by the way, you know, we met, we talked with Lee Harvey. Well, in a document recently declassified in 2014, that's exactly what they said. They said they may have had discussions with Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, taking off my common sense hat and putting on the hat of stupidity, I'm going to nod my head and believe that that's exactly what they meant. Okay, hat of stupidity, back off. When the CIA says they may have done something, that means they've taken it to the nth degree. For example, please realize, folks, that like I mentioned on the last show, on part one of this JFK series, nothing is what it seems. You you have really little to no idea about what really goes on in the world. And most people don't. And sometimes that's okay because people would freak out if they really knew what happened. If they knew that Operation Just Cause, when we went into Nicaragua and we got rid of Manuel Noriega, if they knew that that was fueled by Bush, Bush 41. How long ago? A long time ago. A very, very long time ago. Matter of fact, so long ago that it actually links in to what happened here with Kennedy. That's how deeply rooted some of these things are. And I understand you don't get these facts, and you don't hear this stuff in the mainstream media, but you're going to hear it here. You're going to hear it here. If anyone wants a copy of the declassified CIA document, send me an email, gscarp12 at hotmail.com, or hit me up on the Twitter at gscarp12. I will send you a copy of the declassified CIA document. All right? I don't have a problem with sharing everything that I have with folks. That's why I do the research. I do the research to find out stuff so I can pass it on and share it with people. Now, the CIA was definitely not forthcoming to the Warren Commission. This again, back to the declassified document. This part had been marked secret, and it's all declassified now. So just understand, the government said, oh, it's not important for us to keep this a secret anymore from you. As the director of central intelligence, McCone, he was the CIA chief at the time, his role between the assassination and the release of the commission's report... Ten months later was, in his words, quote, to see that the investigation and the review of the CIA's relationship, if any, with Oswald were thoroughly studied and all relevant matters were conveyed to the Warren Commission. 
Now that, if nothing else, is a massively convoluted and well-crafted statement of deception, if I ever heard it. They came out in the, in the same document, they say that they might have had might have had meetings with Oswald. And here, the CIA director's specific words are, well, if any. Well, that's doublespeak if I ever heard some. According to Helms, McCone's function was, quote, seeing to it that sufficient manpower and funds and other resources of the agency, or the CIA, were put to work in support of the Warren Commission and the FBI. Folks, the FBI was leading the uh, investigation, okay? McCone certainly maintained a continuing and abiding interest in these proceedings, but turned over daily management of the agency's assassination-related activities to Helms, who was the deputy, who kept the director of central intelligence and the deputy director of central intelligence and the executive director informed. McCone's calendar indicates that after a flurry of meetings and discussions during the two weeks following Kennedy's death, he settled back into a routine schedule with his usual concentration on intelligence, community affairs, and foreign policy issues. A lot of interest? No interest. That's okay. You can do those things, right? Kind of shaky, though, especially when there's a commission being put together to, to deal with something of this magnitude. He's just going to turn it off and hand it to somebody else. Not entirely. He goes on later to say that he personally will handle all interaction with the commission regarding testimony. Meanwhile, McCone and the CIA had to work out a modus vivendi with the Warren Commission. Lyndon Johnson at first opposed creation of a presidential panel to examine the killing. He preferred to let the FBI and Texas law enforcement authorities quietly handle the matter. Really, did you think that that was going to be done quietly? Wow. With rumors already swirling and some sort of communist right-wing or underworld plot was involved, he did not want a lengthy public inquiry that might produce explosive revelations. His words explosive revelations. He didn't want any revelations coming out and create pressure on him to act precipitously. At most, he thought, a Texas-based, Texas-run investigative board should be convened. Now, does that sound... Hmm. Now, I'm all for having things done at the lowest level and a Texas-based or Dallas police investigation is important. But this guy was shot in broad daylight in Dallas, Texas, with the governor who was shot. Don't you think you want some help investigating? Don't you think it might be a multi-agency effort? Johnson displayed his anxiety over conspiracy rumors on the night after the assassination. While watching NBC's television news broadcast, he started talking back to the anchorman. Chet Hutley, and David Brinkley. Keep talking like that and you'll bring on a revolution just as sure as I'm sitting here, he said. Senior American diplomats were still working to instill calm in both the United States and the Soviet Union. The U.S. ambassador in Moscow warned American leaders about political repercussions which may develop if undue emphasis is placed on the alleged Marxism 
of Oswald. I would hope, if facts permit, we could deal with the assassin as, quote, madman, unquote, with a long record of acts reflecting mental unbalance rather than dwell on his political convictions. So here's a page from the, well, how did that work out for you? Documents. Just 29% of the people who surveyed believed Oswald had acted alone in a Gallup poll that was taken only a week after the assassination. However, by September 1964, when the Warren Commission released its 888-page report, 26 volumes, color glossy photos, 87% of the people believed Oswald acted alone to kill Kennedy in nine months. Just nine months. They had swung public opinion 58% the other way. Man, what a program. I wish, I wish I could do that. That's good. That's real good. And by the way, this is Reverse Deception Radio on the Veritas Radio Network Crusade channel. We're talking about JFK and, well, who killed him? There's got to be a real answer out there, and I know it's not in the press. But back to Officer Tippett for a minute. Seriously, think about this. He stops a guy who fits the description of someone who might have shot the president. He gets killed. The people in the movie theater identify what to the police. Someone who looks disheveled or just out of place is what they said. That's what it was. But then he fit the description of what? He fit the description of the guy who killed the officer. Not the guy who shot the president. Forgive me for thinking a little bit differently, but if the president had just been shot in your city, word travels kind of fast when something like that happens locally, right? So how did, why did people even consider putting resources on someone who shot a cop? Why did the Dallas police and the FBI send all these thugs over to the theater to go pick up some dude who shot a cop? What do they care about that? What arrest authority does the FBI have in picking up a dude who shot a cop, a local cop? 0.0. And why are they even wasting their resources on it? Because that's what it said in the police transcript. They went to the theater because he looked like the guy who shot the cop, not the guy who shot the president. Just a thought. Back to the director of Central Intelligence and the CIA paper that was just declassified. I quote again, the director of Central Intelligence later said the Chief Justice, Earl Warren, seemed quite satisfied with what he saw, with what he was given from the CIA, folks. In May, McCone, the director of the CIA, was discussed with Warren and McCloy the need for the commission to refute conspiracy theories, even if doing so gave them unwarranted publicity. Quote, if your report doesn't dispose of it, the second gunman scenario, point by point, your report is a whitewash, he warned McCloy, who was on the Warren Commission. The CIA told the Warren Commission they had to make sure that there couldn't be any other option. The FBI had concluded within three weeks that there was no other gunman. So how does a small entry wound get in the front of the president's throat? And two bigger shots enter from the back. Does our gunman have superhuman powers to transport himself through time and space? Just a thought. 
But McCone, he didn't necessarily like or get along with Alan Dulles, who was on the Warren Commission, who was a former director of Central Intelligence, who had a protege, per se, in George Bush. Oh, snap. Did I? Yeah. George Bush started back with the Dulles brothers. One was Secretary of State and one was Director of Central Intelligence. And boy, have I got a lot of stories about what they did to you folks. <laughs> back to the document. McCone doesn't appear to have any explicit special understanding with Dulles, the commission member who worked closest with CIA. That aided the former Director of Central Intelligence in steering the inquiry away from controversial agency operations. McCone later denied that Dulles was the intelligence community's protector on the commission. Really? Okay. Again, survey says probably a big fat 0.0. That's what I'm going to go with. I mean, you got the former director of central intelligence on the commission, and he's not screening for intelligence community programs that might come out. You know, we haven't even talked about the fact that there was a lot of discussion about the FBI meeting with Oswald, and there's actually transcripts of him. Just like with the CIA, where the CIA says, well, we, we pretty much think it happened. No, you don't even think it happened. Don't Stop wasting my time, right? Don't waste my time with speculation like that, because when you put something like that in a report, that means that you know what happened. You did it. And you just don't come out and completely say it. Now, back to McCone and Dulles. Their personal relations notwithstanding, McCone and Dulles both wanted to draw the commission's attention away from CIA and encourage endorsement of the FBI's conclusion soon after the assassination that a lone gunman uninvolved in a conspiracy had killed John Kennedy. The director of Central Intelligence could rest assured that his predecessor would keep a dutiful watch over agency equities and work to keep the commission from pursuing provocative lines of investigations such as lethal anti-Castro covert actions. We're going to do a whole show on covert actions and how deep in the Bush family is with covert actions around the world. You want to talk about debacles? We'll talk about Angola and what we did over there. Folks, you want to start really analyzing the world? You, you want to understand why we are so hated in many parts of the world? You don't need to look any further than the Bush family. Folks, if you like what you're hearing and you want the easiest, most convenient way to listen to the Veritas Radio Network, then download our apps in the Windows Phone App Store, the iTunes Store for iPhone and iPad, and the Google Play Store for Android devices. The app is just $1.99 and gives you fingertip access to the Crusade Channel live stream. Crusade Channel host bios, showtimes, Twitter, and Facebook feeds. Crusade Channel Cafe and much, much more. So download our apps today and please consider rating them too. Our smartphone app delivers the Crusade Channel anywhere mobile devices are. The Veritas Radio Network app. Mobile radio the way it should be. We're going to squeeze in one more tidbit here. A couple of more declassified documents from the CIA show that Oswald had been under surveillance by the CIA. If, of course, they hadn't actually sat down and talked with him. Uh, he was under surveillance since 1959. 1959. That's four years they knew about this guy. They had an idea of what they were dealing with. 
So this guy was not an unknown entity. They didn't have to be told about him. They already knew about him. And the cables, and that's what CIA uses back and forth. It's, uh, it's, uh, they're called cables. They're, they're like emails or they're uh, faxes. Uh, any type of communicator that goes back and forth is uh, what it says in the article here that they keep records of and they send out to other agencies. It's the same thing that you do for distribution list or something like that. I guess it's just called a cable here. Um, but it, they, they were signed off by four specific people. One was a lady named Jane Roman, who died in 2007, longtime assistant to James Angleton. Now, he, was, he ran the CIA's counterintelligence staff from 54 to 74. He was quite the guy, um, and she was pretty much the right-hand lady who did all kinds of stuff. And she actually sat for an interview in 1995, for the Washington Post. And she had quite a few interesting things to say, but she also later said that she bitterly regretted doing the interview and talking with the reporter. Why was she so regretful of sharing honest information about what happened? Hmm. William Hood, Bill Hood, who just died a couple years ago in 2013, he wrote into one of the cables that Oswald's time in Russia showed that he was maturing. You know, what, maturing, what, what does that mean? It just means, you know, he's not going to be a problem. This guy's getting over all this stuff. He's good. Don't worry about him. Third person, Tom Karamessines. He was the assistant to the deputy CIA director, Richard Helms. He was integral in covert operations. He's the third person to sign off on these cables. And the fourth person, John Witten. In 76, and again in May 1978, Witten testified to the JFK investigators. He explained that on November 23, 1963, Deputy Director Helms put him in charge of reviewing all CIA information about the uh, accused assassin. Witten assembled the staff, worked long, hard hours for two weeks reviewing the avalanche reports from around the world about Oswald. All about Oswald. But he realized his colleagues were not sharing all relevant information with him. This guy is the guy in charge. Well, it was in 1969 that he left the CIA. He kind of got forced out. He took an early retirement. The other three people got promoted, like, way up high. The ones that didn't talk and share information with the guy who ran the investigation for the CIA. Yeah, they all got promoted way up high in uh, the infrastructure, and then the guy who's in charge of it got fired. Conspiracies build themselves, folks. All I do is report the data. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to dig into the grassy knoll, and we're going to talk about what really happened over there. Remember, if you missed any of this segment or any of my previous shows, they're all available for streaming and download at VeritasRadioNetwork.com. You'll need a Founders Pass membership to gain access to those downloads for as little as 23 cents per day. Just click the Join button at the top of any page. This is the Reverse Deception Show on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be. We're giving you five minutes to gather the Pentagon-sized pile of scales that's fallen from your eyes. 
Reverse Deception. We'll be right back on the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. 